Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and on this show, we talk about how complicated healthcare is. It is a huge, complex ecosystem, likely, I call it a 30,000-piece puzzle. I don't know if that's accurate or not, (laughs) but I feel like a lot of our guests get to basically share their piece of the healthcare IT puzzle, and in the hopes of, you know, teaching one another and our listeners so that we can kind of make more sense of the big picture and get farther faster. So thank you for joining me today. Can you please take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me today, Joy. My name is Kristen Jacobson. I am the VP of Marketing and Omnichannel Engagement at RevSpring. RevSpring is a patient engagement company. We really started out more in the financial side of patient engagement, more in, in billing and payments. And what we found is that all of the wonderful, smart, really effective things that we were doing in financial engagement have wide applicability to other areas of patient engagement. So we've been focused on expanding that. I've been with RevSpring for four and a half years, and I spent the earlier part of my career in just general consumer engagement. So it's really been fun to apply healthcare to apply the skills I've learned in in my career to healthcare in the more recent years. Well, so, okay, what does engagement mean to you? So to us, engagement is really around inspiring patients to take action. And that action should be more focused around what provides them with better outcomes. Again, whether that's clinical outcomes, so better health or better financial outcomes. We know it's really tough to pay bills today and healthcare struggles that really more than any other industry because it's unexpected. So there's just you know, a lot of good ways to reach out to patients in a way that makes sense to them, in a way that's personal to them. And when you do that, it's like classic marketing. How do you communicate with consumers to build a connection to make them take action? And that's really what engagement is about for us. And so how do you reach them? Because there, I mean, there are so many ways and it is probably like the golden ticket if you can figure it out. Like how do you reach a patient and or consumer in such a way that they will take an action? I'll kind of start with financial communications because it's an interesting quandary for healthcare organizations. It is 
I think one of the only types of communications that I get today personally where I walk to the mailbox and get a bill, right? So there's still a lot of printed communications on the financial side of healthcare. And one of the things that providers are really looking at as print costs increase, as postage costs increase, you know, the consumer price index has really affected materials for print more than, you know, probably any other area. Hmm. So providers are really looking for ways that they can better use digital communications to engage those patients. The problem is the patients really like that printed communication. So to your question, how do you find kind of the right solution for patients? We do that is through predictive analytics. So we can actually look at what your profile is, what demographic you look like if we've not seen you before, and we can kind of make some assumptions about what you're most likely to engage in. But then we just kind of let the data drive that experience. So if I assume, Joy, that based on your profile, you're probably going to be an email person, I'm probably not just going to send you an email communication. I'm going to send you an email, I might send you a text, and I'm actually going to watch your behavior. And we can learn how you're engaging. And that's really how we find the right way to communicate with patients is, you know, it's kind of that the Amazon lookalike model, right? Where you look like this group of, of um, consumers and I'm going to make some assumptions about you, but then I'm going to let your actual behavior drive that experience. So we kind of started with that in financial on the financial side of the world because there are so many vendors out there that are saying just you know, abandon print and just go digital. The problem is you can't just do that, right? Patients do expect the right communication for them. The other thing is they expect more than one communication. Healthcare is also one of the only industries where if you don't pay your bill, they might not send you a reminder, right? So just using multiple channels together to try and drive that action on the financial side is something that we've gotten really good at. And now we're starting to apply that to the kind of the front end of the patient experience where we're using those same learned behaviors to understand how to do things like make sure you remember that you have an appointment, make sure that you're prepared when you come for that appointment. Did you bring all your prescriptions? Did you fast if you need to fast? Those types of things. Or if you've had an episode of care and there's multiple steps you need to take, like after you have a knee replacement, how do you make sure that patients are paying attention to those things in the channels that they respond to? Okay, so when it's not necessarily a bill, but let's take your knee replacement example. If you were emailing somebody and they say unsubscribe or stop, even on a text, like what's the next step? Where, yeah. like, if they, I mean, I yeah. guess, they, how do you find them if they're like, nope, I don't want to talk about it? So. <laughs> so, typically, patients won't take themselves out of any communication. Okay. What we really work with our healthcare partners to do is make sure that we gain as much information from patients as possible. One of the interesting things that we've found, we do a lot of patient research. So, we talk to providers all the time about you know what pain points they have, what they're struggling with in terms of patient engagement. We also like to ask patients, right? So we go direct to the consumer and ask them, what's your experience like and, and how could providers improve it? And one of the things that we found is that a lot of patients don't remember being asked to provide their email address, their mobile number, uh, verify their street address. You know, even, even sometimes getting print to a patient can be a, a challenge if they move. So one of the things that we just work with our providers to do is make sure you have as much information from your patients as possible and broad ability to use it, right? So preference is important, but it's also important just to have all the modalities of information that you can about patients. So that's kind of the first step. Don't allow patients to 
take themselves out of a communication channel. In reality, if a patient opts out of email, and that's the only way you have to get a hold of them, you, you actually can email them. But we do try and honor those preferences. And if they do opt out of that, that tells you something. And we would use the other communication channels in that instance. I always do like it when I see the, what is your preferred method of communication question? I feel like that is really respectful to people of just like, okay, what do you want? And it's helpful. And especially when in this day and age you get, I mean, I get a lot of scam likely phone calls and text messages, especially during an election cycle that you're just like, oh God, how do, (laughs) this is nonstop. How do I report this? Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you like, do you guys ever feel like you're having to cut through the noise? Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned that we've we've got a big stronghold in, in financial engagement, but, but we're broadening. And one of the reasons for that is there is a lot of noise in communications when it comes to patients. I mean, when you think about, especially if somebody who's getting a lot of care or has a family, all the different ways that a provider could be trying to reach out to them. So maybe they have an appointment, they're reminding them about an appointment, maybe they have a copay due, there might be some forms that they need to fill in prior to the engagement. Maybe they have a past due bill, so they're getting a bill from you know a prior engagement. If you have multiple platforms that are all working kind of in silos to reach out to patients, there's no way to kind of coordinate that communication. So one of the things that you know, we talk to our customers about is how do you either through tools or through just planning, make sure that you're using the right channels at the right time for the right reasons. And we, you know, we can do things like if a patient is coming in for an appointment and we also know that they have a past due bill or if there's a copay expected or if there are forms that they haven't completed, we can combine those communications, right? So we're not inundating the patient, but we're grouping those communications in kind of a meaningful way that is more respectful to their time. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. So how does somebody engage with you? Is it through a hospital system? Is it through a health plan? Yeah, it's everything. You know, you hate to say you're all things to to the industry, but we really run the gamut, right? So a lot of the largest health systems in the United States are our customers, our reps run customers. I think we communicate with 70% of consumers across the U.S. So we've been providing um, billing statements for a long time and and our reach is pretty broad. Every area, area code, every zip code, right? So we are, you know, I would say the leader in just in terms of being able to reach that patient population. How patients would get to your services? Is it after, is it from hospital, health plan? Yes, yes. So a lot of health systems, we also work with physician groups. Oftentimes those are coordinated in in a network, but we also work with a lot of specialties. We work with ASCs, we work with dermatology. We've got, we have payer clients, we have pharma clients. It really does run the gamut. We have a lot of, we do a lot of work with partners in long-term care. I think what we're building is broadly applicable to the problems that healthcare is trying to solve today. And that is, how do you make stronger connections with your patients? How do you respect their preferences? How do you really drive communications that resonate with them? And since we've built that platform of intelligence that can do that, you can really apply that to any industry and any use case. Okay. And when, and it's, it's, under the name of the clinic or That's the hospital. Correct. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. We are an, we are an unknown brand, right. right? So we are an advocate for our customers and everything is branded. So, you know, we, we all of the email communications, the text communications, we work really hard with our customers to make sure, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, it's hard to get consumers to click on things today, right? There's a, yeah. there's a lot of bad stuff out there. So we work really hard, especially in 
digital engagement with billing, patients don't necessarily expect to get a text for their bill, right? They've been getting a statement in the mail forever. So just setting those expectations with patients, we work a lot with marketing teams. So if they are going to execute a more integrated digital program that their patients expect it, that they know exactly what that message is going to look like. And we get a lot higher interaction and results from those interactions if we if we work with them on patient education. Well, so another topic I want to talk to you about is Staffing, right? So like there's healthcare staffing has an issue, especially considering the demand from consumers. That's a chance, like all of that is a challenge. Can you kind of talk about how, I don't know, that shows up for RevSpring? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the tools that we provide and we connect patients to, and we've talked a lot about patient engagement, which is really about inspiring patients to take an action. A lot of the things that we connect them to are self-service tools. We have a payment portal, a self-service payment portal. We have a pre-service, I can't remember what we call it. It's, it's basically the ability to kind of manage your encounter pre-service. We have intake forms. So we have a lot of the kind of the, the destinations, those applications as well. And one of the things that providers are really prioritizing, you know, pretty much across the board as we talk to our customers is how do we get more patients to take actions independently? There are a couple of reasons for that. One, because of the staffing issues, right? If I can do simple things, if I can help automate simple things so patients can self-serve, that's less time that providers have to spend with their call center staff or with their front office staff. But the other reason to do it is that's the way patients want to conduct interaction. I mean, in the research that we've done, a lot of patients do still want to talk to their, you know, talk to their provider. They still want to call the front desk, right? That tends to kind of be the older population. But a lot of patients do want to self-serve. They want to find and register for appointments online. They want to pay their bills online. And the more that we can connect them to really easy options to do that, that's a win for the patient and it's a win for the provider. I agree a hundred percent, especially if if the model before was that you had to call and wait on the phone for a human being and or even the the recording where you're just like representative. <laughs> We're screaming at the phone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm glad we've come. I mean, that still comes up, but it is, it, we've come a long way. Yeah. yeah. And, and it really is about, you know, we talked a little bit about opt-outs before, and that's really a challenge too, if you have siloed communications, because it might be hard to honor those preferences, right? And patients might not know if they're opting out of an appointment reminder that they're not opting out of a billing communication, right? So, and different providers want to manage that differently. Some do want universal opt-outs or opt-ins and some want it to be more by use case. And if you stitch those things together, if you think about it as one kind of branded experience, that's easier to do. So it's just through communications, you can be clear to the patient about what to expect. So does AI come into the picture at all? Yeah, I mean, it absolutely can. I mean, when we think about, so how we've talked a lot about engagement and personalized engagement. And to do that at scale, you need machines to help you understand what's happening and how to react. So, you know, when we think about AI, we think about how do we use what we've learned about patients to predict their behaviors. So there's an element of AI to that. We use things like heat mapping in our communications. Love a good heat map. (laughs) So that, you know, it's not terribly innovative, but it is effective, right? What are patients looking at, right? That's AI. Mm -hmm. The other element of AI is just you know, what we talked about in terms of just learning patient behavior and being adaptive. If you're going to do that for multiple types of patient engagement and multiple types of humans, right, you can't do that with people 
setting up campaigns and just, you know, trying to decide what to change, right? You need insights and analytics to kind of serve up what you need to preserve and what you need to change in those campaigns. And that's kind of how we think about how to use automation to improve patient experience. Can we step back for a second and talk about you more personally? Oh, sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So if somebody, what did you study? How did you get to do what you do? Yeah, I started as a journalism major, actually, which how I got here is kind of an interesting path. I knew I wanted to do something creative and I knew I wanted to work in business, but I didn't want to be an accountant, right? So I thought, oh, I'll do marketing or journalism or something like that. So I started on that path and I spent my early years in marketing, primarily marketing communications as a journalism major. And I had an opportunity early in my career to go into product management and I just loved it. I just loved the ability to kind of think about consumer problems and how to solve them with technology. I had absolutely no experience and absolutely no business doing it, but I just dove in and do it, did it. So I kind of continued on the path doing both communications and product management, which is a really interesting kind of balance of how do you build product and then how do you think about how to connect that to your market? So it was a really effective mix for me. Most of my early years and middle years was spent more in vertical right? So always in consumer communications, more call center technology. So omni-channel communications, you know, kind of stemming from more the phone experience and trying to kind of broaden that to email and text communications. And then I had the opportunity about, it's probably eight years ago now, to apply some of those skills to healthcare. So, and I was fortunate enough to find an organization that continued to let me use kind of those marketing skills as well as those product management skills. So I'm, you know, I, half of my job is marketing and thinking about how to engage providers to connect with RevSpring. And the other half of my job is thinking about how to help them engage their consumers. So it's it's a fun mix. Well, I think a journalism major actually works really well for that. You get to talk about the all the Ws, the who, what, when, where, why <laughs> for, right. for both parties, right? Absolutely. Helping them frame a story and to take an action. It actually makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, I probably, there's a reason I don't run the payment product at RevSpring, but the Omni channel platform has been, it's been really fun. And and I'm really excited about what we're building. When I think about myself, even just as a marketer and the tools that I've had available to me to really understand how I'm trying to engage my prospects and my customers, even those tools, those marketing automation tools that have been around for years, aren't really clear in terms of what steps the consumers are taking and what's effective. So I've been able to kind of even apply that to this platform of intelligence that we're building and think about, you know, what do I want to see as a marketer to understand what's working and what's not working and apply that to healthcare patient engagement, which is so important. I love asking people this question. What do you think eight-year-old Kristen would think about what you do for a living? (laughs) Oh, that's an interesting question. I think eight-year-old Kristen would probably have said, my dad's an engineer, and I remember talking to him about computers and being kind of very incensed about the fact that computers were going to take human jobs away at some point in time. So I might have been, you know, a little belligerent about that vision. But what we know today, of course, is you can't just do it with people. You need technology to enable people. So Yeah. And actually, the more we use technology, you also realize how much you can't just have it all technology. You still need people. We're you not going away. People. No, <laughs> absolutely. And, and that's what, you know, not to go back to Omnichannel, but in the research that we've done, humans are so important. It's just the important thing is when you use them, 
right? You just have to know when is the right point in that communication, that interaction to use that right human touch. Well, and I really like the idea that if we're putting a human to work, that it's going to be a meaningful job. It's not going to be something that's just rote and repetitive and not, you know, like, wouldn't you rather have something that it takes a little bit more advancement than just doing the same thing over and over and over again? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Kristen, if people want to follow you or connect with your organization, where would you direct them? You can find us at RevSpringInc.com and you can find me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for your time today. This has been a pleasure getting to know you. Yeah, you as well. Thanks, Troy. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.